How does giving people the benefit of the doubt translate into the political realm? And what does that have to do exactly with free speech and stereotypes? I'm Ismail Pai Civico, and this is The Civic Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome again to a new episode of the Civic Podcast. So as you can see again, it's no surprise, you can always um, see a bit what I'm going to speak about when when you see the title, when you read the title, but it's not necessarily what you might think at first sight. I mean, when you think about the benefit of the doubt, you always think about prejudices in some sense. Like when you first see someone, you're always going to have some sort of prejudice towards that person, some sort of idea by the way they dress, by the way they speak, by the way they talk, uh, by the way they look. There's always going to be some sort of uh, preconditioned idea you're going to make of that person, right? That's just how humans work. Humans create generalizations to give definitions, if you will, or to describe things that don't quite yet understand or haven't got to know yet. So for instance, if you meet someone um, for the first time, you're always going to get a preconceived idea of who that person is by the way they act, by the way they dress, by the way they speak, um, what accessories they wear. I mean, for instance, if you see a guy and he wears a cross, well, chances are he's a Christian, right? So, but then again, that is a a prejudice in some sense, or not not in the negative way, um, in in some way. If if there's a positive way to prejudice, and so if there can be even, uh, but that is idea that is an idea you're going to create to yourself. Uh, you're going to create an image of that person, so you can better understand or better know how to actually get into conversation with that specific person you just met. Right? This goes for everything. I mean, and I said a cross, or if they wear a hoodie in comparison to wearing a shirt, or leather shoes, or wearing trainers, it can go everything and every sort of little detail that a person has, and you're always going to have that little sort of preconditioned idea of uh, of that person and what they think or or anything of the sort, right? So that's generally what you would think about when I mean benefit of the doubt. But in this specific case, when I mean benefit of the doubt, I want to guide it more towards uh, free speech and society and cooperation and dialogue. And the main that's the main goal of that's the main goal of the podcast. At the end of the day, is to uh, try and give a bit. M- my point of view on how people can dialogue better, discuss better, cooperate better, understand each other better from the left and the right of the political spectrum, or not just the political spectrum, but in between religions, in between cultures, uh, in between countries, in between regions even, or inside countries themselves, right? There are so many different things that differentiate human beings that in the end we do need to find some common ground, and that's a bit what I'm trying to do here. And that common ground can only be found or we can only attempt to find that common ground if there's actually some benefit of the doubt towards the other person or towards a certain group of people. And I'm going to dive in now a bit what I meant when it came to free speech specifically. So this is a conversation I had yesterday with um, uh, with a friend actually. So it is quite recent. I haven't. I try still. I've, I've, I've still tried to wrap my head around exactly the conclusion of the conversation. Um, I think it was quite fruitful. I, I got to know a bit the point of view or political correctness in some way. And I'm going to make a bit the, um, I'm going to try to steal, man, what I heard yesterday about political correctness and why it should be something, right? Why we should be politically correct. Um, 
I'm probably going to get it mostly wrong, but I hope that I, well, I make it justice. So in some way, his perspective or other people were, um, were of his point of view, let's say, that there's a context for everything, right? And in the political context, you need to be aware of certain things that might offend people. So that's where political correctness comes in. The whole idea about political correctness is that you can't say certain things or you can't speak about certain things because they might be offensive to a certain group of people. And I'm completely opposed to political correctness in some way. I mean, oh, and, and that sounds a bit harsh. I'd say, wait, so you want to offend people? Um, no, that's not the point. And this is where I actually want to make the link with giving people the benefit of the doubt. Um, so that's a bit the point of political correctness in some way. And then we went back and forth and some way that even humans unconsciously, uh, we always adapt our speech to the situation we're in, right? We're never going to speak the same way with our friends in a bar as if we're going to speak in a meeting or in a conference or with our family even. I mean, you're not going to say the same things in front of your grandparents as you would say in front of your best friends, right? That's just natural. It's just normal. So of course, we always adapt our speech to the group of people, to the person we have in front of us. That's not as much of the point. The point here is that some specific topics have become taboo because, oh, I just kicked my uh, my table um, purposefully. Um, so some certain, certain things have become taboo because they might or they could actually offend a certain group of people. Uh, so we can't speak about them. There's no discussion that can be had over it, right? And I do understand the fact that certain conversations can be difficult for some people. I mean, if to give lack of a better example, maybe it's a bit too harsh. If you have someone in your family that has committed suicide, for instance, or suicide is something quite near to you, maybe you've had that experience or, or anyway, all sorts of things uh, behind that, uh, that horrible endeavor. Um, and then a conversation comes up about suicide in, in your group of friends, for instance, you might feel uncomfortable, quite uncomfortable, as a matter of fact, because you don't want to remember what happened in your personal life, for instance. And this is a specific experience that you had that maybe the person that brought it up didn't have that experience. Most likely, he didn't have the same experience as you. Well, most surely, he did not have the same experience as you because we never have the same experiences. Even if maybe both of you had had an experience with suicide, maybe it wasn't at all the same way. Maybe that other person has already gone over it. Uh, maybe that other person has already made peace with what happened and you haven't, right? So each person is very, very unique um, in terms of how they deal with past experiences and present experiences, right? Or even how they foresee the future. Every person is, is unique in that aspect. So you can never actually know what can offend someone or what cannot, right? And that's super complicated. So my whole point or my whole argument was based on that if we keep filtering our speech, because of a risk of offending someone, then we won't be able to say anything. Because at the end of the day, there's an infinite number of experiences. There are an infinite number of different identities, um, educations, cultures. People have gone through everything, people have done everything, and each person has had their own experience. That's essentially what constitutes you. You are what you've been before the years you've been alive, everything you've had, every single day, every single experience, every person you've met, your family, your education, your culture, that is you, right? 
And there's always going to be something that's going to offend someone, or maybe some of the people have really have really thick skin, right? But the point is that there's always going to be something that offends someone. Like if your dog died a year ago, you maybe don't want to speak about dogs, right? Or maybe you think that's offensive. Or for instance, if uh, you've had a really bad experience with a Rottweiler, and now people say Rottweiler shouldn't be considered anymore as a dangerous breed. And then you think, oh, I find that very, very offensive because I've had a really bad experience with a Rottweiler. Say, so, yes, well, we need to have the conversation. Should Rottweilers actually be in a, uh, a dangerous breed or not, right? This is a, a very easy analogy, maybe, that won't make the actual com topics justice in some way. But I'm hoping you get the idea of where I'm coming from, is that everyone will feel offended by something at some point, right? And some things will offend someone more than other things and some of the people less than other things. That's just the harsh reality. We're all unique in, in, in our own way. And the simple fact is, if we keep filtering our speech for things that might offend a specific person, at the end of the day, we won't be able to say anything at all. And of course, you can make generalizations, right? I mean, there are always things that are a lot more tricky. I mean, I said the breed of the dog, but we can speak about a lot of other things that are a lot more touchy and you need to be much more careful. I say in Spanish, have a bit more of left hand with it, that be a lot more gentle with that, with that topic, which I completely agree. And that comes now to actual respect and how to engage with people and being able to communicate and just general education and good manners. Um, that's how I want speech to actually be filtered, right? Be filtered by education and by culture and by good manners, not be filtered by policy or by government imposition. Because then again, that comes again to restrict what people can or cannot say arbitrarily in some way or by the government in power. And every time you keep restricting that by government in power, what happens then when the government you don't like start restricting that same thing towards things that may offend them? Um, I was speaking at some point about uh, about Charlie Hebdo. What happened? Uh, well, I think everyone knows what happened uh, in Charlie Hebdo. It was that they did some unsavory, however you want to call them, uh, caricatures of the Prophet Muhammad. And what happened then is that some nut jobs decided to shoot down Charlie Hebdo. And then there was some quite a few of other terrorist attacks um, all around Europe throughout throughout those years in the past decade. I'm saying the past decade, even though it was only a few years ago, because now we're in 2022. Um, and that was before 2020. But regardless, uh, you know more or less from what, yeah, I think it was 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, some very horrible things were happening here in Europe, which again, it was a shock because Europe is not so used to these kind of things in comparison to to the daily atrocities that are happening all over the world. But because it's nearer to us, I mean, I guess it affects us more. That's just human and that's just normal. It's going to affect us more what happens uh, near to us, right? And then the kind of perspective was to say, yeah, but you need to be very careful what you say in specific areas. I mean, it can really offend people. I say, yeah, but that's not really a justification. And then I give an example of what happened in Spain that for some sort of festival, um, this this actress or this singer, I can't remember who it was, but I, but I remember the story, I remember what actually happened is that they used a picture of the Virgin Mary as a, and they were showing her as a prostitute in some way, right? And of course, that's again, can be considered as blasphemy in the same way that doing caricatures of the Prophet Muhammad for Muslims can be considered as blasphemy. So for the Virgin Mary, that considered as blasphemy or as very unsavory towards Christians. Um, and then some part of of Catholics 
in Spain or even specific political parties in Spain or people from specific political parties were saying that is not admissible, that is not acceptable, you cannot do that, that's not possible, whatever. Um, and then you saw the double standards a bit. I want as much people to be able to do caricatures and have freedom of expression to do whatever they want with the Virgin Mary or Jesus Christ or anything in the Bible, speaking as a Catholic specifically myself. Um, and then I want the same thing to be done with caricatures of the Prophet Muhammad, right? And you don't have to look at them if you don't want to. If, if they offend you, you don't have to look at them. That's not much of the problem. The problem is that people should be allowed to do this and no sort of justification is ever going to justify violence for the stroke of a pencil. And that's just for me is common sense. So we should have the same standards for every single critique to every single religion um, and the freedom of expression that goes with it. All right. Now, that's not to say that I specifically liked the caricatures per se, right? And this one, it comes to what what you can say, right? Uh, or what you should say. So you, you, sh you should be able to say everything, right? That doesn't mean you should say everything at the same time. I'm not saying here to be completely um, disrespectful towards specific communities or specific religions and say X, Y, and Z at every single point. For instance, when it comes to black humor, I'm not a big fan of it. There are lots of jokes. I don't find them specifically funny. I'm more of a, I prefer classic British comedy, which is very witty in some ways and not so much into black comedy uh, or black humor. Like for example, Jimmy Carr, right? Jimmy Carr, if you don't know who he is, he's a British comedian and most of his jokes are very, very unsavory and dark. And I mean, some of them are funny, but other them are just go like, I mean, no, it's just not, they're not funny. They are so dark in some way that I just can't laugh at them. So just because I want him to have the right to say it, that does not mean specifically I like what he's saying. I think that's something that people really, really need to start to understand. And most people actually do. I'm just saying for the minority that they know, oh, that, that says, no, no, you can't say it whatsoever because it, it offends people. Say, so, well, I'm sorry to, if, if it offends you, most probably, things you've said, I mean, I've been offended a few times and I wasn't gonna say, oh, hey, you can't say that. No, I mean, if that's your opinion about me or what I've said, then fair enough. I'm gonna try to change your mind about it or I'm going to try to make you see things under a different light, excuse me, and then take the conversation from there. Because at the same time, coming to the actual topic of this conversation to give the benefit of the doubt, I'm always gonna give the benefit of the doubt to people, even after I've been offended or even after I, I didn't like what they've said specifically, I'm always gonna give the benefit of the doubt to actually think that that person wants to have a decent conversation with me to actually get to the bottom of things, get to the truth, get to know the facts. That's the benefit that I'm gonna to give to people. Now, not everyone is gonna accord you that same benefit of the doubt. And what I just say is just be the bigger person. Um, I prefer to give the benefit of the doubt and be wrong about that, that not to give the benefit of the doubt and be wrong about that. So if the person in the end turns out to be a really good person and you never gave that person the benefit of the doubt, that is going to be a big issue and you're gonna feel very bad about that. If you get the benefit of the doubt and you get betrayed, let's say, or in the end you, you say, oh, I shouldn't have given the benefit of the doubt, you're gonna feel better about yourself because you actually did give the benefit of the doubt. You actually had a bit more of hope. I was gonna say humankind, but in this case, towards that specific person or that specific group of people. Uh, so we should always think that people aren't always there to make us feel bad or to attack us or to get to our emotions and, well, 
essentially to insult us. That's not generally how people do in the vast majority. I mean, again, real life is not Twitter. Twitter is a different world. Twitter people are protected by their screens. People think that they're untouchable. People think that because they write things in animosity that in the end, no one will no one will know it's them and they can say whatever they want. And that's one of the big issues of social media. But then again, if you don't like Twitter and you feel offended about things you see on Twitter, just get off Twitter. The real world is not Twitter, right? And, and that's something that people really, really need to understand, getting offended by things on Twitter. Nobody's obliging you to be on Twitter. Um, when it comes to the political conversation, coming back to, to where I started, the, everything needs to be discussed. Everything has, there can't be any filters behind it. The only filter that can be there is actual dedication of a person and their manners and their respect and their tolerance towards other people. But that doesn't mean that we should block conversations. This comes the same thing to, to a debate I organized a, um, a couple of years ago where we wanted to invite uh, all the different political parties in Belgium. And there's a very far right political party here called the Vlans Belang. And when we were having a meeting to see, okay, who, which parties should come to, to the actual debate, I said all of them should come to the debate. And then all the other organizers were like, no, not all of them should come to the debate. Vlans Belang can't come to the debate. It's so like, wait, but why not? I mean, that's one party from, I think there may be like eight or 10 parties in total that, that came and, and most of them were center, center right towards the left. So maybe like three right wing parties and like seven left wing parties in uh, more, more or less. And I say, why can't Blanche Belang come? I mean, there's enough measurement and it's gonna be a debate. And again, if we want to combat their arguments or if we think they're wrong, or what we know they're wrong on, on most of it, or 99% of stuff, why not invite them to the debate and actually debate them with it? Because good ideas, you come at them through good ideas. Bad arguments, you come at them through good arguments. That's the only way to, to, to win a conversation, to actually prevail in dialogue. It's actually dialoguing, having conversations and discussing with people. If you keep censoring or not wanting to hear specific things because you think it might be offensive towards people, people are just going to create their own echo chambers. What's happening now with Trump opening his own, um, his own social media channel? It's called Truth Social or something like that. Why? Because a lot of people have been banned from Twitter from no apparent reason. Lots of them. Lots of them. And, and, and this is true. Lots of them have been banned from Twitter for no apparent reasons. People are starting to lose faith on a platform that was completely fine when everyone from every single political ideology could come forward and discuss things, important matters. Again, it did not turn out that way. I mean, I follow Twitter mainly to follow a bit the news and the politicians in themse uh, themselves and a bit, a bit of everything else, but it, it didn't really turn out that way, unfortunately. It turned out a bit to be a no man's land where everyone, everything is permissible. And yes, we should have some specific filters, if you will. The problem is that these filters have been, they've changed of definition so many times that now anything can become bigotry and now anything can become hate speech, even very innocent questions because you generally want to learn and why you should give a benefit of the doubt because most people actually do want the better of society and most people aren't there to just make your life miserable. That's just not how it works. And, that, and I truly believe that. I truly believe that most people are good people in their hearts and most people only, only want to learn. Um, going back to, to the Charlie um, Hebdo incident and, and all the, well, say, big issues that the, that the Muslim community has been facing, I got very, very interested 
not back then, but fairly recently, like maybe a year or two years ago, um, into Islam, into into the into the Islamic faith, into everything around it. I mean, I've been following a lot of uh, a lot of theologues, a lot of uh, Islamic thinkers and philosophers, and I really like the content of the Quran. I can find some similarities, let's say, with with Christianity. I can find the parts of the Quran that maybe needs more conversation and a bit more of discussing around it, and actually know what's going on there and how they interpret it, or which kind of groups interpret what and how and that's essentially how you get to change a bit the culture uh, around it and also the perception of people that aren't muslim about muslims themselves and i think it's a win-win situation if, if people get um people get a um educated on on islamic teachings let's say um so when i saw having having these sort of questions um one very complicated question I didn't know how to ask my Muslim friends was what how do you interpret the fact that Muhammad married Aisha which was his favorite wife which I think he married Aisha when she was seven uh, and then he consumed the marriage when she was 11 around uh, seven or eight and three four years later let's say she was like 11 or 12 when he consumed the marriage and that's a difficult question to ask because then again if you believe that Muhammad the prophet is the absolute representative of god then you must think he is highly moral right because he's he wasn't just human maybe i'm going a bit too deep in things i don't fully comprehend when it comes to the islamic faith but i think the idea is that is because he was the highest representative of god and he was morally perfect then how could you have done that if you believe in a sort of objective morality derived from that god himself right and a lot of difficult questions like that, that I really didn't know who to ask. I've done some research, but I wanted to see my friend's perspective on it. And they knew me well enough to know that I was asking these questions without any bad intent. It wasn't a, ah, I got your question. It wasn't a, oh, you see, question. It was more of a, I'm generally interested to know what's, what are the teachings behind that? Do you even consider it? Do What do you think about it? what actually happened maybe maybe that's not the actual full story of of what happened or or how it was actually told uh, i, I want to know I, i'm generally interested to know what's your perspective on that and these are complicated conversations again because that question can very much very well offend someone right and but the thing is that they knew me well enough to know so they didn't really have to give me the benefit of the doubt per se but they knew me well enough to know that i didn't ask that question or was asking those questions with bad intent and I think the approach that they had towards me, like very openly giving me their answers without any sort of saying, oh, Ismail, how can you ask me that? Um, and everything that goes after that, all ad hominem attacks to my persona, they generally tried to answer the question or answered it in some cases, right? And I think we should have that same approach with everyone we meet. That if they ask us, saying, uh, if they ask us an uncomfortable question, we shouldn't directly jump the gun and say, oh my God, how can you ask that, that, that is not normal, um, you bigots, etc., etc., etc. Most people are there generally to learn. Now, I'm not saying that if one person comes to a conversation and starts insulting you, to you give them the same respect that they didn't give you, right? I mean, th th there are limits to this, but in most times, probably you've had a conversation with people that they can very respectfully, or maybe not as much, or maybe they've never actually learned how to enter into these kind of conversations or how to have them per se 
And, and I think that's very, very important. And the benefit of the doubt needs to be given. In politics, you need to think that people aren't there to get you. You need to think that people really want to get to the bottom of it, of things, and get to the truth and find the best solutions for everyone. That's why it comes to the political realm and how in politics everything needs to be discussed because if there are filters, who puts the filters? That's maybe my number one argument. That I mean, of course, there are things behind that, but my number one argument in politics is if there are filters of speech, who puts the filters, right? Because then again, if someone, else comes, if someone else comes afterwards and maybe they put some other filters onto the speech, maybe you won't like those filters. So what exactly is better? Discussion to be had, but I think that's probably um, what constitutes my whole point and then some other things behind that, but that's the most important part. And the second part when it comes to benefit of the doubt towards people more in, in the private sphere is to say, of course, we have context for everything. We're not going to act the same way in front of our grandparents as if we were in front of our mates in a pub. That's just normal. Um, but we should be able to give the benefit of the doubt to strangers, right? We should think that if they ask us a question, or say, oh my God, why are you wearing that? For, for example, right? I'm going to give an example uh, if I'm in a very chilled pub with a suit on and, and they go, oh my God, why are you wearing that, right? But with a very with a grim face and looking at me, oh, look at this guy, he thinks so much of himself that he puts a suit to go and to have a pint in a pub. Um, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt that they've had, they've asked that question with no malicious intent behind it or no specific personal attack towards me. Of course, again, there are limits. If, if one dude just straight up comes and puts his face against yours and tells you that in a violent manner, then the first thing he'll be seeing <laughs> won't be my lips moving but something else and by that time it's my hand <laughs> uh, no no just kidding uh, violence is never the answer um but that's just a a very small example just give people the benefit of the doubt and i think that's the best way forward um then again if you get fooled then you get fooled at least you know that you did the right thing right i always prefer that i always prefer to do the right thing and then get fooled than not do the right thing and get fooled again because you need to actually measure and do your own assessment on what is worse. And I always think that acting the best way, um, giving the benefit of the doubt to people. And I, I was speaking now specifically about speech, but then again, let's not forget that giving the benefit of the doubt also goes towards prejudices. If you keep hearing, oh, all these guys are bad people, all these guys are killers, or all these guys are X, Y, and Z, uh, give, that, give that same benefit of the doubt to every single person you meet. Um, I don't want to give specific examples because um, I'm, I'm afraid these things can get, actually get cut and then I'll get, well, doesn't matter. But if you hear, uh, oh, hey, um, all these guys are terrorists, when you meet a person that looks like them, don't don't assume they are. That mean, there's 0 .0, 0, I mean, infinite 0 and 1% chance they actually are. Give people the benefit of the doubt get to know people get to speak with them and then when you get to know them then maybe you can actually have your own opinion about them and that goes again for prejudices that you might have stereotypes of people to the political realm and conversation and i think that's very very important if we if if, if we're trying to learn through our own education through good manners to give the benefit of the doubt to people and the stereotypes are bad and the prejudices are bad we should try to do the same thing when it comes to speech to absolutely everyone Right, people are good most of the time. People are good. People are capable of doing very bad things, but people mostly are good. I think we've, we've come to a point where I'm proud to say that most people are good people in their hearts. 
uh, and maybe it was like that a thousand years ago, but then again, I, I, I wasn't around to say that, but from all the people I've met, most of them are really good. Uh, even those that really act like a-holes and you don't really know what to what, what to make of them. I'm pretty sure in the end they are good. It's just that they have a different way of presenting themselves. That's just where I want to leave it. If we want to have free speech, we need to have trust between between one another. We can't keep living in a paranoid world. We need to give the benefit of the doubt to people. And I think that's really something that everyone needs to try. And again, it's not always easy. Uh, I always fail a lot of the time. I mean, if I've spoken about something 10,000 times, and then I hear someone say that the same kind of arguments that I've heard one over and over and over again by the specific people that in the end I'm just very tired of. Of course, I'm not going to give that person the benefit of the doubt. Um, it's just natural. But I try to. I really try to. But it's not always It's not always easy to do it. I just want to leave that there. Even though it's not easy, best thing is to try and give the benefit of the doubt to people. And, well, I guess that's today's episode. Not a very interesting one, um, but... I, I do hope you get the idea behind giving the benefit of the doubt to to other people and in personal relations and in politics when it comes to free speech and everything of the sort. And well, I'm going to leave it there. Remember that you can always follow us on Instagram at thecivic.space and to keep checking our articles on our website, thecivicspace.org. Now, I think I'm uh, going to leave it there and see you next Thursday. I'm Ismael Civico and this was The Civic Podcast. Yeah.